The following program is an artistic work of fiction and falsehood. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the broadcasters or the management thereof. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, I'm glad you're here. I'm media disruption developer Kai Hubris, and this is Eureka Cast. Now, where science meets technology meets you, even in this new year of 2021. With me, as always, is Professor Rowan Medellar from the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science. Hey there, Rowan. Hello, and the most fortuitous of entries into the Epsilon paradigm for you, the listener, and for us, the hosts of Eureka Cast. Our, last week, last week we we did a more of a a reflection show, if you recall. It was, yes, it was a sort of a um, looking back and going over the the advances and the interesting things we learned in this last year, because it's so easy to get lost um, with all of the new information coming forward. Sometimes it's important to go back and reacquaint oneself with mm -hmm. these sort of things. Right. I mean, think of all the science that scientists just forgot about because they didn't reflect on it. It's, it's unbelievable how much we've lost. But no sooner than uh, I returned back from my trip over to the uh, the Stardust Particle Accelerator, which is a startup particle accelerator in uh, in Denmark, no sooner did I walk back into the into the laboratory, into the new media laboratory here at Tech Brothers in the in the server nook neighborhood, when I was I I, I was over over uh, uh, full uh, uh, flowing with with new work, new assignments for me to do. Usually, the beginning of a new year. Is is sort of slow for in rel relative to how Tech Brothers usually runs. We don't usually have too much in the new year. We're gearing up for projects to release maybe later in the year. But like coming back and and the swelling of of the new the new stuff that I had to do it was overwhelming. But it was also very exciting. Well, um, I'm I'm sure because as everyone knows who's listening to this, these last couple of weeks have been as someone who works in new media, there right. has been a great deal of media both new and old and mm -hmm. with uh, so many events have been occurring right uh, and undoubtedly that's inundated you with all sorts of new information yes. for your studies and, and although the tech brothers is not a political organization we are not a political program no we are not we are as apolitical as science and technology has always proven itself to be we we do despite us not being a political program we, we do need to address these things from a scientific perspective because there is a lot of great scientific work that can be drawn out from these the, the sort of events that we've seen in the last few uh, months well whether or not i necessarily agree with that statement it is called a political science so right. presumably there is a scientific aspect to it to some people right and most political science is problematic to say the least but uh at least tech brothers poli sci labs i uh, hear at tech brothers um i have been studying politics is a cultural phenomenon for for years now for several years they've been working with new media labs making models collecting data from election cycles and surveys and different legislation tracking key figures and i mean every time something new happens we try to make better models to better predict uh wh what's going to happen in sort of the the political theater of, of, of the world but al also very importantly the united states well, that seems like such a huge undertaking. Um, have how has it 
panned out for you all in terms of because once again many events have occurred right was that reflected well yeah as, as i said before the uh um, so tracking this summer, we saw a lot of those protests. We were able to make models off of different bacterial samples um, on, on those protests. And, and we've slowly been getting better and better and better at collecting this data and 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 making predictions from it. And I'm here to tell you that from the recent, as, as I'm sure, I'm just going to come out and say it. We've all heard of the recent the recent uh, 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 protests, coup, demonstrations, uh, the breaking into the Capitol. The, the, uh, the event that occurred yes, in Washington, D.C. We don't want to use political terms for yes. it, like coup or insurrection. Right. It was an event, a a, um, a, a, a data point, right. perhaps. A bubble. Um, so it, it was something, the event that happened uh, in, in Washington, D.C. Lots of people had different opinions on it, and we're not going to talk about the opinions. What I'm excited about is I'm very, very excited that this happened. Uh, because what I want to talk about is because this happened and we, we don't talk about these things until, you know, we, we have, we, scientists don't talk about things until they have the data in front of them. But all those models that I've talked about, PolySci Labs and new media laboratories have been collaborating on hundreds, thousands of, of separate political forecast simulations using all these data, data this, this data in, in new and different ways and trying to effectively make better models, as I've said. Well, I didn't want to. I, I didn't believe it when I first saw the data a few weeks ago, but it, it, it would surprise you. I want you to sit down, Rowan. I, I am already seated. Okay. Well, as it turns out, about sixty percent. Again, I didn't want to believe it, but sixty percent of those models that we were that we were speculating that we were looking at that we developed predicted this exact event. In in almost in almost perfection in, in the clearest sense. Well, that is actually quite um, that's quite compelling. So that, that that's very fascinating. What are you, um, what was were there differences therein, or how how spot on was this prediction? Because the fact that these models were able to predict an yes. event of this Six, style 60%. in general is impressive. But how impressive is it? Well, so yeah, more than half predicted that this event would take place. Um, eighty percent um, of those were were all, like almost almost exact key for key. There was some certain variations based on things like shirt color and uh, number of people. We don't, you know, we're, we're still monitoring some of that data that's coming out. A uh, 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 different responses, different statements. We we foresaw that somebody who said somebody who said, "Hey, over here," we expected them to say look over here, like sort of small things like that. Well, and of course, those discrepancies are to be trained against, I imagine. So the next time that this event happens, it'll be, um, you'll have perhaps 70, 75% of your models predicting exactly. that this will happen. Yeah, and, and because we have so much success, uh, uh, we've really been thrown into to, into taking this data. We don't want to lose it. We want to reflect on it, and we want to make it better. We, we have something here. And it takes uh, some collaboration between uh, poly science labs and new media labs to really get down. And hopefully one day we'll be able to predict every political event that ever happens everywhere in the world. And that is a very laudable goal, certainly. Mm -hmm. Something that would take a lot of the guesswork, I think, out for the majority of people out there who feel uncertain about right. their future, uncertain about what the government will be doing but you'll be able to step forward and say this is how it's going to play mm -hmm. out here it is yeah. it just accept it you know come to terms with it exactly um but 
getting back into the swing of the show following the following the uh, the holidays, uh, Rowan, I believe you've brought us a, a, a Eureka story for this week. Right. Well, it's um, a bit of a Eureka soapbox, but let me start mm. with the Eureka moment before we get into the Eureka soapbox. Sure. Which Soap is, is, is very scientific. A um, Surfectants. A new ice core has been drilled from blue ice in Antarctica, and this ice core in particular has broken the record for the oldest ice core ever found. Hmm. It dates 2.7 million years old, which is a million years older than the last record holder. So... Obviously, for geologists and glaciologists, this is a huge step forward. This offers a lot of very interesting information. Right. I, 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 how? Where was this hiding? Where? Where? Why didn't we know about this before? Well, and we'll touch on this, but there's oftentimes somewhat of a indiscriminate approach to taking these ice cores. Oh, of course. And uh, there's a certain uh, localized uh, geology and physical things going on. Wherein this blue ice that can be found in Antarctica is preserved for much longer than various other layers of ice on, right. found in other areas. Yeah, perhaps a one one geologist thinks that the physicist checked there, and the physicist thought that the geologist checked there, and there's this entire piece of ice that nobody's thought to look under. Well, it's 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 more. It's more indiscriminate than that, and we'll get to that really? shortly. Wow. But essentially, geologists from Princeton revealed this finding in Paris, and they used data from the core to discuss atmospheric conditions in the far past. Right. Very interesting and undoubtedly a eureka moment. But at what cost? Cost. So this is the eureka soapbox. I'd like to take a moment and discuss what is the hubris Yes. Of ice core drilling. Um, mm. These ice caps, these areas of ice, these glaciers, these icebergs where these ice cores may be taken, right. they are dying out. Yes. We can all agree on that. We can, we can all agree. They're, they're, they're not as many and they're not as large as they used to be. And they are shrinking. And that's the main feature that gets caught about that, the main reason that that, that is explained to be occurring is due to climate change. Right. And that's something that is fair, is accurate, um, but there is literally nothing that we can do about it. So what else, we need to look at other options to explore and, and see how do we preserve them with what they have. And here's my soapbox right now. Okay. The way that these ice caps are being treated mm -hmm. is severely exacerbating their shrinkage, their diminishment, and oh. it, it is absolutely abhorrent that we allow this practice to continue. Let me provide a metaphor very quickly. Okay. Does one take a sick and dying man and drill holes in him, pull cores out? I, I, no. In that, Western medicine, yes, yes. But but that's why so many sick and dying people end up sick and dying right. in these hospitals. And even 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 those those uh, those doctors, they do follow sort of a, a Hippocratic oath, and and it doesn't sound like there's a Hippocratic oath for the geologists out there. No, um, geology is famously one of the most amoral areas of the physical sciences um right behind evolutionary psychology um so they have very little vested interest they're not thinking about these things no their lust for these cores overtakes their minds and they just they they drill and they drill and they drill and back in the day mm -hmm. back prior to these these other wider issues right 
Back when we had a we had a an unperturbed wild that we can take freely from effectively. It, 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 these glaciers roamed free, and the geologists of all people should know that. You can see where the glaciers would would go across the the, the plains mm. in the of the north and carve these beautiful trails. Right. But as they retreat they were... and as they go extinct, why are we sitting and drilling into them in in such a disgusting, such a heartless manner? Right. I mean the the ice ice and ice core is sort of an apex predator and as as they die out we're going to see the the rising of their of their prey of, of the things that they feed on such as uh uh snow ants and some other things that uh that you know, uh, we're just going to see an imbalance in the ecosystems of, of the ice core uh the ice core biome as it were it's absolutely and there's the wider concern of that these scientists they drill and they pull these ice cores out and like you said who knows what's in those cores who knows what could be in there could it right. be could it be um snow ants that could go out and become an invasive species could it be Surely. the next pandemic after mallow 21 could it be um any number of things right. that that it's 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 hubris they're putting these geologists these glaciologists right it's the known unknown versus the unknown unknown. Exactly. And I don't want to go further into this because I've touched on enough, but but to any of the glaciologists out there, any of the geologists out there that might be listening, mm -hmm. please stop. Please stop. Think of your children never seeing an iceberg except in the zoo. And perhaps in the, in the movie Titanic. It's... And and that's not even a fair portrayal of them. No, it is. It is. That's an, another soapbox for another time. Right. But um, it it just goes to so sometimes science isn't right. Sometimes the scientists are are exacerbating a problem that right. they themselves claim to be be having an issue with. Right. I mean, scientists they need to they need to consider all the possibilities. They need to do the math and realize that their samples are actually doing more harm than good. And it's it is like the quantum observer effect essentially when you it are looking is. at something. Um, maybe that it wants to be a wave and by looking at it we are forcing it into a particle and that's reprehensible in and of itself but i am done uh kai did you you had something interesting to bring up as well something a little bit different from our standard eureka moment i i did and and like i said uh we we are not a political show we are about science and we are about we are about technology um but because so much has happened, I do feel the uh, the need to comment on it because of the position that Tech Brothers and that I, as a, as a media disruption developer, have on certain issues to inform people uh, about certain things that they might not consider otherwise. And that is, uh, th that is why I'm bringing this Eureka controversy um, about the, the various uh, initiatives to start unions at tech companies uh, around the country and, and around the world. We've sort of uh, we've seen a lot more of these in in recent months, in recent years, and uh, I thought that we can talk about sort of what Tech Brothers has done and some some options for any of the companies that are looking into something like this. So to to be perfectly clear, you over at Tech Brothers, you and your coworkers are looking for a way to self represent yourself within the organization. Is that what you are alluding to? Well. We sort of. I mean, we here at Tech Brothers, I personally, and and everybody that I work with, everybody that Tech Brothers. Uh, works with and, and everybody that uses Tech Brothers systems, products, and services, they believe strongly in workers striving for representation. Well, that's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. Uh, I 
at the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science, uh, along with the other faculty, we are a member, we are self-organized in a, not a union, but a co- a co-op, mm. actually. Um, and it's, it's wonderful to be able to have a real, feel like you have a real say in your workforce. Right. Uh, so yeah, who is in, how, how did your co-op get started, Rowan? Well, it's actually a wonderful story. Um, Simon Amy himself um, decided that we would all be better off representing ourselves to management, aka to himself, through a sort of a put-together employee co-op. Um, so he heads the co-op, um, really? which then presents the findings to um, himself. Who, whose idea was this, Rowan? Oh, well, Simon Amy, of course. He's so wise. Well, um, well, I, I, I will say that there all there are alternatives to to unionization, but the reasons why workers might want to represent themselves, whether they are auto laborers or or professors or uh, or scientists, um, are, are are many. I mean, some some people in an organization. They are going to be paid, uh, or they're going to get less benefits than another, and it's and it's part of part of that is making sure that everybody within an organization, no matter how much sort of power or or what place that they have, is represented and, and not being, um, you know, unfairly discriminated against. Exactly, as um, as was certain departments of the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science before right. our co-op was established. Simon, yes, before Simon Amy stepped up and and really took the lead on that. Um, so, although we we believe we, representation is very is so important um, in every company and especially tech companies, but as as a tech company, and again we're coming at this from the point of view of, of Tech Brothers, which is a Tech Brothers Laboratories, one of the most disruptive, one of the 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 leading uh, uh, leading organizations on uh, on on innovating and optimizing uh, different systems. We think that unionization is sort of an antiquated idea i mean think about it this is a sort of system that was started in the 1800s to to manage problems that they had then and, and you're not entirely wrong and and that's the reason we opted for a co-op you know what we have in right. common with meat packers in the late 1800s is very little right um as i would assume you would be to perhaps um people working in a steel foundry it, it, in the 20s exactly it's it's as if i mean as as sort of the auto industry makes better cars as we make better tools as we live better lives uh it, it's it is sort of frankly preposterous for the idea of worker representation labor representation not to update with the times as it were and that's what tech brothers is doing by automating the process of workers representation through uh through labor sharing uh, labor sharing. Now, I've heard various other forms of sharing, car sharing, meal sharing, dog sharing, Right, and we've talked about most of these. We, we have talked about these a great deal, but labor, labor sharing, right. um, you're going to have to uh, touch into that a little right. bit more. So, I, I mean, again, this is a science and tech show, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about some of the some of the theory behind this. We hear about theory in, in, in all these different terms when it comes to things like unionization, so it's important to talk about the theory behind uh, behind these sorts of things especially how tech brothers runs as we've talked about before tech brothers is not rep is not a sort of a company it's a non-liability uh research laboratory um so they are represented in the stock market per se but there is no stock they they're they're not it's not a a financial institution per se they don't make money besides the fact that they do make lots of money um it's sort of it's a roundabout way of saying that everybody owns sort of stock 
you know, as it were, in Tech Brothers, whether you work here, whether you buy one of our products, whether you are, you know, a worker on the lowest assembly line versus somebody that's making some of the more the, the larger decisions. Now, some people would say that none of what you said made sense, um, including myself. So uh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Well, well again, it, now it only sounds that way because it is so, so sort of disruptive. And, and from that perspective, uh, if you think about it, I mean, classically, what unions do is they put a sort of a confrontational nature between the workers, the laborers, and, you know, the boss, the managers, the one with the capital that are, that are you know, making the choices. And what we've realized, especially with the kind of company that we have, the, the fact that it's so different is that really what we're seeing is we are seeing a more of we face the problem more as a as a as a as a dynamic of putting everybody that works or buys something or uses systems by tech brothers versus the economy well that's a wonderful way to put it um especially when you consider that you see things like um, will the economy like this or this has been devastated by the economy the economy itself at that point takes the personage of perhaps a giant or a dragon ruling over the land and that's how i oftentimes see myself with regards to the economy is that uh we are an enemy of the economy the economy is a a foe that is attempting to to uh, attack and you know disrupt and take what is mine and i'm I'm glad to see that 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 attitude is being adopted more outside of sort of the health and wellness circles that i run in yeah i mean we would we would be nothing without the economy but also the economy would be nothing without us um we hold all the chips we we really do and especially against again what we've talked about before is that the way that tech brothers is represented in the economy is through marks which is a very advanced protocol that sort of is the stock market works with and under and and you know on top of the stock market and effectively marx is the reason that everybody that works for tech brothers um makes the 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 money that they do has the benefits that they that they do um so really it's it's the workers it's us and then the people that purchase tech brothers products and use their services against this protocol that we made to manage the stock market called marks it, it's us versus mark it's almost sort of like it's, it's sort of like us versus this machine that we've made almost um which is very interesting um certainly that sounds like it must be a hard line to walk for you all considering this is this device is of your own creation right it's very very difficult to walk and that was before um we've all worked together to develop well 21st century solution to a what some say a 19th century problem and that was uh and that was a specific tech brothers uh labor sharing application that we're calling do it now how does this application work we are running low on time but i do want to hear about this well the application is relatively simple it's sort of inside of the application is very advanced algorithm that uh, effectively for every single person that works for tech brothers me included and even you as as sort of a partner um we i would not call myself that um, as an associate, I would not call myself we, that. Every single decision that we make affects marks in some way, affects the value of Tech Brothers in some small way. Um, so what we do is we, every single decision that we could make, whether it's to take break, whether it's to go to the doctor, whether it's to have health benefits, whether it's to, uh, you know, 
to even just use a specific software as opposed to another software, that has a say, a small but detectable say, on how Tech Brothers works. So by by using this application that compares our actions to the value of Tech Brothers, we, we can help to uh, to have a more communal approach to making sure that everybody that works for Tech Brothers is is represented and, and, and taken care of, um, just as the whole company uh, uh, is to take care of itself. In the sense that this this app you you are using will weigh various demands that you want versus how that affects the mark's sort of stock price exactly i mean that's a very good that's a very good way to to put it too i mean it's not everything but certainly you are able to compare and work with your coworkers to determine whether a, a 40 hour work week is right for you whether you want to uh whether you want to work certain days as opposed to other days whether you want to have all that uh, all that cold brew in the office i mean all of that is 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 a communal decision that you and everybody that you, you work with has a say in and you all depending on the decision that you make uh have sort of a payoff to that as well there's also there's also a, a sort of um uh ways that you can sort of trade shifts with certain people that you work with um in some ways we actually we've actually found that this this can be a way to really uh, optimize and rejuvenate some of the certain departments when somebody from the poly science labs wants to you know trade a shift with somebody from say the health labs they're able to bring that new perspective into the different laboratory right and before we have to move on to our to to the break has this gained much traction are people opting into this how has the response been Oh, well, we've been doing this for, I mean, months now at, at this point. Uh, honestly, Rowan, um, there are people here that work for Tech Brothers, people that, that would consider themselves laborers, employees, that are, that are petitioning against unionization. Mm -hmm. Some people, have, some people have, have sort of said the word unionization or the idea has floated past us from different areas, and everybody here is very against it. Sometimes, sometimes the people that, that manage certain laboratories, uh, uh, they've proposed it. To the workers, and the workers have said, "No, we don't want this. This it's better this way. It's better for us, and it's better for for everybody that buys. Everybody on the Guy Five network, they're even part of this system as well, and they agree it's better for everybody with uh, with labor sharing." Well, that is fascinating. Um, I don't know if I quite understand all of it, but I wish the it's... best to you and your coworkers. Well, thank you, Rowan. So, for the first mid-show affirmation of this year and this new paradigm, I have a quote from Jacoby Lemons, a world-renowned manifester and intent sort of guide. That an is intent guide. An intent guide. He, he guides intent, and you'll, you'll understand when you hear this quote why. <clears throat> intent must not be found it must find you. Choose positivity. Repeat the essence, and you too can find the world laid before you. Let the internal tides of your will sculpt a mantra and cling to it for as long as you remain unfulfilled. Radio. 
And we are back. We are back. Welcome back, everybody. It's time to get into the special feature, the the, the time on the show where Rowan and I come together to talk about something that of of relative importance to uh, to well everybody. Well, certainly this time at least we are coming back with that. Um, we have to discuss something that I think we've all run into, whether through our families, whether through. Um, friends, uh, acquaintances, or even just online strangers. And that is, of course, skepticism towards the upcoming Mallow 21 vaccine. Right. And and we're coming at it from, I mean, this show is all about science and technology, new ways to navigate it, uh, new things about it. And this falls directly into that category. But because of the type of show that we are, and the discussions around the vaccine or vaccines that are coming out, uh, we thought we, we'd give a little bit of a of a PSA for how to discuss with some people that have misinformation about about the vaccines and what they do and what they're all about. Um, how, how to discuss uh, with those with those people uh, what's going on and, and how to navigate that with your with with, with those vulnerable people in our society. Right. Um, I'm speaking from personal experience that many of the sort of professional interest groups that I run in, that I'm a part of, there is a fair degree of vaccine skepticism. And some of it is valid, but most of it comes from a place of ignorance or misunderstanding. Yes, Um, certainly of misinformation. In any case, if we want to move past this newer normal back to the new normal that we all know and are comfortable with, we all need to do our part to get vaccinated for Mallow 21. Right. In, in the circles that I that I run in, uh, uh, I've been working a little bit with the Tech Brothers Health Laboratories. Uh, now, some people think the Tech Brothers is, is manufacturing their own vaccines, and uh, I regret to inform all the fans that, that they are not. What they are doing is assisting with several startup pharmaceutical companies doing, doing research into different forms, different kinds of, of vaccines. We expect there to be between 20 and 50 different vaccines that people can choose from. So, Honestly, the first step is just making sure that we have all this variety out there. We have an ability to take our world back to some to something more comfortable. We want to make sure that people, that everybody else opts into that with us. Right. And hopefully through this wide variety of vaccines, people will be able to choose the one that feels most comfortable with them. Right. But not if they aren't going in with a understanding of... Um, the reality behind it. Exactly. And that's really what this comes down to is that this comes down to discussing the reality of the situation with regards to the vaccine to people who may have a different understanding of what reality is. Exactly. So so we've, we've come together and created a, sort of a list of, of several points, uh, a, a sort of a method, a protocol, if you will, of discussing uh, vaccines with with those people that we love and care about, but but might be skeptical sort towards this, uh, th- this this sort of thing. Right. So the first thing that to do, the first thing to keep in mind right. is to come in with an understanding viewpoint. It's very interest. It's very easy when you're dealing with someone who you feel is uneducated, uneducated or misled or just generally stupid to be smug or dismissive right but you have to reel that back because people don't like to be talked down to and when you are trying to change their mind mm-hmm. they can't think that you're coming in from a, a place of authority because that right. is what they distrust and- 
And this is honestly one of one of the hardest parts uh, about this, and, and and it's so important because it can go wrong, and oftentimes does. And and when when we when we uh, go to this go through this step uh, without planning uh, in the wrong way, we can do more harm for the person that we're trying to talk to than good. We can push them away um, from from the solution. So you need to make sure that whoever you're going into this conversation with you have a respectful and a an, an appropriate uh, uh, way of communicating with them um now as rowan said this could be very very hard oftentimes it is oftentimes it is extremely difficult to sort of grit your teeth and and talk down talk try to attempt to talk at yes. the same level try of to... this of this perhaps this troglodyte try, try... Per- perhaps this this cretin Try to position your head in a way to where, although you are talking down to them, it sort of seems as if you're at a level position talking to them. Um, and so Tech Brothers has done a lot of research into how to communicate information with a variety of people, especially people that sort of are coming from a concept, from a, a, a biased, through a biased lens, from a, bi- a biased per, uh, perception. Um, so the number one goal you can, you number one uh, uh, sort of, strat tip to going into one of these uh, conversations uh, uh with is is to imagine and this is this is just step number one imagine that you are talking with this person about something else something something more more easy to convey something easier to understand something that maybe you both agree on maybe something something like cryptocurrency something that's sort of very yeah. straightforward and, and and something that's sort of you can you can both get on the same page or with. perhaps middle eastern politics that's another one where there's a lot of potential for agreement right um yeah definitely something something more something definitely that there are multiple sides to but ultimately everybody has the same uh, agrees on it at least when they don't agree on that that disagreement is, you know, respectful. And just pretend that you are discussing that issue instead of, right. of vaccines. And it will trick your mind into coming in from a more understanding viewpoint. Right. I mean, from, from you know, different studies that we've taken, it turns out that roughly 23% of people while, while undergoing this during this phase of the conversation uh, sort of develops certain... Uh, a certain aggravative and uh, uh, well, sort of people have a, have a tendency to want to attack, uh, uh, you know, other people having conversations with them. And we realize, but from this perspective, we can get that down about eighty percent. Those sort of uh, uh, some studies say murderous, other studies say uh, say aggressive behavior. Um, so that's that's just step number one. And, and I mean, it's only the first step, but frankly, you're already halfway there if you get past this one, right? So the second thing that to consider doing is make sure that you're coming in from a standpoint that you recognize that vaccine companies are not perfect. Pharmaceutical companies are not necessarily good organizations. That is something that um, we we can all agree on in one capacity or another. They've made mistakes have been made in the past ethical dilemmas have been treated poorly in the past right and you can't really p- point fingers but certainly lots of people like to right but going into that conversation that you're having with this individual they oftentimes they will come back at you and say why should i trust such and such organization why should i believe that this material that they're putting out is safe when they've done x y and z right and the 
you can't don't lie to these people about it there's been no. lots of shady things that the medical establishment yeah. has done the western medical establishment Tech has, Brothers done. has studied uh lying as a tactic and it never works out like you think it will so you know there's all these things um so you know the tuskegee tuskegee experiment the mm -hmm. opioid epidemic mm -hmm. or the continued criminalization of placebos there are lots of things that the pharmaceutical companies are culpable for that should not be overlooked right but uh, but i mean just ask yourself ask yourself this question especially when you're coming at it from a perspective of maybe you have these feelings strongly too um it's always better for somebody that um is discussing these things to, to come at it from a from sort of the mindset that you want to instill in the person that you're discussing with and think haven't these organizations been through been punished enough and and another thing too as well is to consider that things slip through the cracks they in do. any organization yeah um, perhaps this individual you're talking to works at a bread factory and mm. and you could bring up with them and say well haven't this hasn't your factory ever put out a substandard piece of of, of white right. loaf um I, have you ever not accidentally forget to turn the date coder on your 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 bun manufacturing or packaging machine yeah, exactly these things happen and they also happen in pharmaceutical companies such as um with regards to uh magnetism in in vaccines um and, but thankfully and this is where to come back with this is what you come back R Rowan, with. did you say magnetism in vaccines we'll, we'll touch on that um we'll touch on that a little later but thankfully the scientific com community steps in and analyzes these risks and changes are made just like what we did at the simon amy institute of spirit science when we demagnetized the vaccines we came up with a way to demagnetize the vaccines to de demagnet okay first off so you're saying that the mag Ma the vaccines are magnetic some of them and, and, you, and that leads into our third point. So wait, how did you get about. access to the vaccines to demagnetize we'll, we'll, them? We'll, we'll move on to the third point, which is to say that, that the risks need to be contextualized. There's all, there are bad reactions to vaccines. This ties in the first list. Right. Recognize that these people have some valid points with regards to they can point to specific encounters and in situations where issues occur sometimes they can point to specific individuals like doctors that uh gave them needles that were too big just weren't too large for the, for their bodies right right but but in the same step contextualize that show that while issues do occur mm -hmm. it is minor and that the benefits far outweigh the risks um and also right. make sure to bring up that oftentimes it's not the vaccine itself but it was the way that it was administered. Sometimes a vaccine can be administered in such a way that a negative reaction occurs. And that has nothing to do with the vaccine itself, but mm -hmm. rather the physician or the doctor that had been administering yeah, it. Going, going back to the, to the bacteria, to the, um, sorry, the, uh, the bakery example that you brought up earlier, that bread loaf that you're making and delivering to people, that goes through many different hands. Think of how many of those hands were not washed. You don't want to put blame on the, the baker for the the delivery boy not washing their hands who's delivering the bread from the bakery to the house exactly and 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 i think that'll help give a certain um degree of relatability to this example of an individual right. this ignorant individual and, who works at a bakery or a bread factory uh, and and you can contextualize this in, in many different ways they may work for a candle shop or 
some sort of um, some sort of a steel mill or sort of a blacksmithery. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Another thing, too, is to bring up when these examples of negative outcomes occur is -hmm. that sometimes these are things that the physicians and the the pharmaceutical companies had no way of knowing about, had no prior knowledge to be able to understand it just because of the way that that medicine is oftentimes put out right look at thalidomide and and sort of the 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 birth of all of these these individuals with these birth defects because of that or right. look at the vaccine coming out now with magnetism did you know 98 percent of all magnetism related vaccine injuries came from physicians who had no idea that their vaccine was magnetized you were or the company, for example, Rowan. Rowan. So, are you saying that not all that? How are vaccines getting magnetized? How are you? How are you proposing this is happening? It's it's just all things have a certain degree of magnetism in them. I have magnetism. You have magnetism. The computer that we are recording this on has magnetism. The Guy Five Network has magnetism. Sure, it would be unbelievably ignorant to believe that vaccines aren't themselves not also magnetic in some capacity and that this this magnetism is is somehow harming the body in a certain way yes certain ways how in what ways ron well consider this the neurological system of the body the brain right that is through the transfer of electrons electricity yes that ties in with magnetism if you have a bunch of yes. magnets, there's there's these, these devices that allow people to, scientists rather, to blast certain parts of the brain with magnetism to shut down those parts of the brains and study what's going on. Right. And that is hypothetically what could be getting injected into you just because they don't know about it. And you, the, pharmace- the pharmaceutical companies don't know about it and the doctors don't know about it. But thankfully... Simon Amy does know and no, about and it. nobody's picked up on this. You, it, Simon Amy's the only person that that knows about this. The Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science is the first organization to be able to demagnetize a vaccine, and we'll touch on that later. The um the next step um after you've contextualized the risks and and talked about certain talked through the 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 information that uh that that is that is true about vaccines. Not the things that are untrue, but the things that are true about vaccines is to counteract the misinformation with, and this is the important part. This is the part that I, I think is overlooked so, so often. And this is the part that I want to hit home strongest. This might be one of the hardest, hardest steps of all of this. And that is to counteract the misinformation with better data. You want to come at this from a data perspective. Well, and it's not just enough to provide better data in the sense of more rigorous data, but you actually have to try and put it in an understandable method, a, an understandable way, an easily accessible way. Right. So 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 few um so few times that people go into these conversations, do they have documents? Do they have the data? Do they have access to those data tables that tell them those those sort of things? And they're and at that point if you don't have the data available you are just you're arguing over opinions at that point. Unless you have the hard data, there nobody knows what's going on. There's no 
there's nothing productive about arguing about opinions, about arguing things about that can't be tested. Without the data. Theology, for example, is completely worthless on the long those uh, sort of criteria. Because yeah, unless... it's just you might as well be arguing about whether or not the Judeo-Christian God has six toes or five is, you know, that's the question per foot. Which is a very, yes, it's it's very similar to that exact to that exact argument, and and nobody knows anything. We would fall into chaos if we did just did not have have the data. So what you need to do is you need to make sure that your documents are prepared. You have those documents whether they're in a paper format, whether they are online via some uh, some resource. You have them. You've read through them. You know what they're talking about. Also, what people very rarely think about, and, and as a new media, uh, as somebody that works at New Media Labs, I have a lot of information. I have a lot of uh, experience in how data is is conveyed, communicated, and and, and well, visualized. Very few people realize that the color schemes of their visualizations, of their pie charts, of their bar graphs, of their line graphs, of the things that they're using to communicate all this data to people. Those color schemes are as important as the data itself. If you have a, an improper color scheme, maybe you're mixing your, your red shades with your blue shades, or you, you, throw, you throw yellow in there for no reason whatsoever, you, you are training somebody's brain into disagreeing with that data, into not believing that data, and, and farther away from the, the perspective that you wanted to convey to them. Right. It's it's so important at times, too, when you really desperately need to convince someone of something to have visual aids available. Yeah. There needs to be, and, and, and you know, that could be as simple as a pamphlet. That could be as complex as a PowerPoint presentation and mm -hmm. some straps on a chair. It, it, it could be any number of things. But it, you need to be able to present this data in a methodology that will be it will capture the attention right. of the individuals who would not necessarily believe or would have vaccine skepticism, namely morons with, with short attention spans. And, uh, yeah, and and these and when you're dealing with those sorts of people, you want to make sure that you have things like icons for for the people that have hard, a hard time taking in information by reading it. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, everything is clearly labeled, that there is enough space between graphs so that people don't get confused and see it like, you know, like a volcano or something, like mis misattribute it to some sort of abstract piece of art, which which is necessarily going to confuse them even more. Right. Make sure the font is very large so that, you know, that people have a, a better opportunity to read it. Right. Uh, ma and make sure that font is something like Arial or... Times New Roman, Comic Sans, Courier, just the things that people are Pyrus, thing things that yeah you want to really you want to really uh, personalize that font to the person that you're talking to. Maybe do some tests, have them choose a font from a sheet of paper, say which one reads better to you, and choose to do the visualization in in that font. No, I have an example here for, for um, I've been dealing with this a lot once again in these circles that I run okay. with. I love these people. They yeah, are my peers, I... but they but they have sometimes misunderstandings and one of the things I hear the most is that people will say to me that it's impossible to demagnetize a vaccine. But the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science Department of Wellness has mm -hmm. found a way to do that exactly. And it's just a matter of writing to your local pharmacies and hospitals to purchase or rent the technology that's already available. That's a I can come back it with them with that better data of that it's possible to do this. You just have to ask the right people for it. What? And if enough people ask, you'll be able to have this thing. You just have to ask. Rowan, what do you need from pharmacies to 
to demagnetize vaccines. Well, the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science Wellness Department has, in fact, put together a wonderful apparatus that will demagnetize mag- uh, vaccines. And once again, it needs to be stressed that the incidence of magnetized vaccines is very low, but it's something that no one picked up on until now. So you have no idea if the vaccine that you're going to be getting is magnetized or not, and if there will be issues as a result of that magnetism or not. But once again, it's possible to deal with this issue, and that's the misinformation that needs to be to be taken taken into heart. That is the misinformation that needs to be get re- dealt with. Is that there's is, nothing to is be done you about want, it. Is you want to tell is your is your saying what you should do while commute while trying to face off against skepticism against vaccines is to introduce people to this concept that vaccines are are magnetized. As, as a way to to contextualize the risks to them. No, to counteract misinformation, which ah, is to say that definitely. nothing can be done about the magnetized vaccines. Um, the next one, the, the next tip, and this is the final tip. Um, this is the final tip. It on. might be one of the hardest tips, uh, steps to follow through with. Right, um, and, and that's to not try and convince someone all at once. Right, too many people go go through uh, something like this, and, and they try to, they try to, they consider themselves a failure if that person hasn't turned around entirely by the end of their three, four hour conversation slash argument with them. Um, and, and what we want to do is we want to put your mind at ease and, and let you know that uh, the goal of any particular conversation with somebody to try to convince them of certain things is not to convince them all at once. It, it's to introduce a small amount of, of sort of non-fatal version of, of an argument to train that person's brain, if we can call it that, um, into truly understand, <laughs> into truly understanding the argument that that is to be made, and then and then hopefully, what you want to do is you want to let the human cognitive system do its job. Right. You want even the uh, even the smallest sliver of your sort of discussion your argument your rhetoric to enter into their psychology and from there the mind will work on this small segment and sort of extrapolate the larger argument right. over time and then and then in the future if people hear disinformation those systems are sort of trained uh, and they know how to counteract that information from the get go so you know they won't be subjected to this sort of information again in the future right and and to go back to our last point about have combating misinformation with data if you know people in the medical industry who aren't listening about magnetism or loved ones who aren't listening about vaccine magnetism consider leaving a pamphlet from the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science, and then once again, that serves the purpose of they don't. Yeah, you don't have to but, convince them all at once. They can take that that pamphlet and they can read it later. Right, and you want to make sure that when you were when you're talking to your doctor about certain things, you have the data present and you have verified that data. So so don't try to convince people of things that you do not, as we said before, that you do not have the data for and you cannot back up with actual evidence right exactly and if you want actual evidence on the dangers of vaccine magnetism and and sort of what you can do to reach out to your local congress people your local um, pharmacies hospitals vaccine manufacturers contact 
awcyfm at gmail.com, and we will provide you with a wonderful pamphlet outlining the risks and the ability to combat the threat, the very real threat of vaccine magnetism. Yes, if you, if you contact awcyfm at gmail.com, you will make sure to get a reply about the actual evidence behind uh, behind claims behind claims being made on this show currently uh, about vaccine magnetism and the absolute danger that they present. But Rowan, I, yeah, can we move on to the citizen science right now? That we we very well can. So this comes from the disruptive physician I on en- Twitter. I enjoy that name. Some folks need the physical to draw them into the other realms. Mm. Illness as an experience draws many people closer to their true nature. Illness resolves when resistance to the experience ends. You will no longer be subject to the effect. This is how miracles happen. Uh, Yeah, so what I enjoy about this is uh, that it considers illness in in sort of a new disruptive way, and that is as another realm. Sometimes people think of illness as... uh, as something that exists with us in a current in our current bodies, but but in fact, sort of the, an illness can can be very similar to. And we've done tests at this in, in Tech Brothers. Um, illness is very similar to when you take a body and you transport it to another location, uh, in, locally. Um, so what I like, I like, I really like how disruptive this physician is in in how in how they sort of draw that relationship between, uh, you know. How, how a person acts and, and not necessarily that there's something wrong with their body maybe they're in the wrong location no and and that's absolutely fair and frankly i think this makes an excellent argument for the decriminalization of placebos for the treatment of various um maladies and illnesses because uh, by giving in to what the mind wants you can mm-hmm. oftentimes overcome various hardships including those of illness and physical malady right i'd like to close on a quote by a doctor again keeping up with them with the medical scene here i'd like to close by a quote by dr quincy harp uh quincy harper who said this decisions without science to guide is like swimming without water Eureka Cast now is meticulously researched, produced, and presented with support from Tech Brothers New Media Labs in Chicago, Illinois. We are broadcast every Saturday evening, 8 to 9 p.m. Central Standard Time on WLPN LP 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. And we are rebroadcast every Monday from 8 to 9 p.m. CST on our sister station, WIIT 88.9 FM Chicago. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please follow us at EurekaCast on Twitter. Um, as well as on Instagram, or you can visit our website at awcyfm.com slash EurekaCast. Um, we also have some other social media, Rowan? Yes, uh, we have a email where you can reach out to us for aforementioned information on vaccine magnetism or for any other inquiry at awcyfm at gmail.com. There you can share with us any technological, scientific, or spiritual breakthroughs you've witnessed or participated in. Additionally, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the program, feel free to reach out at that same email, which is once again awcyfm fm at gmail.com and with all that out of the way chicago allow us 